Hello and welcome to the Ideology Podcast. I'm Dr. Tim Ziddle, at Dr. Tim Ziddle on Instagram, and this is my weekly podcast where I create informative and short episodes designed to make personal growth and development fun again so you can cut the learning curve and become the best version of yourself while creating success at any level. Here we go. What you are about to hear over the next two episodes is one of the coolest things I have ever been a part of. It is not every day that someone gets to sit down one-on-one across the table from their greatest hero, their biggest mentor, their most impactful teacher, and that is just what I've concluded doing, and that's what you're going to get to hear over the next two episodes. Now, these episodes will be a little bit longer than the usual ones. Anytime there's going to be an interview, I will still try to keep them short, but that's why I'm splitting these over two episodes. I'm going to release them over two weeks. This is so full of value and information, I can't even describe that for you. I just can't wait for you to hear it. This is Steve Zittle, my dad, the one and only. And I get to sit down and pick his brain on all the things that have made him successful. And you're going to hear a ton of things in what he says that you will recognize as things that I say. So when I tell you, and I'm doing this podcast, that this is full of borrowed knowledge, you're never going to understand that better than when you listen to this right now. But my dad sat down with me on his birthday, 49 years old and graced us with two of the coolest podcasts I believe I'll ever record. I think it's only fitting that my first interview on this podcast be the man who has impacted my life the most, and I can't wait to bring that to you. You're going to hear some amazing things in this particular episode on on starting from the bottom and how to work your way up to a situation on how to deal with adversity, what happens when the carpet gets pulled out from under you and, and you don't know what to do. You're at a crossroads in life. How do you position yourself uh, for success? What are some of the myths of of his particular field being a market leader um, and and leading multiple funeral homes, and 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 then also you know how he was able to utilize um, you know and starting the conversation on mentorship and how that's impacted his life. I I I just can't even describe it. I'm gonna dive right into it. And so here you go, part one of lessons I learned from funeral director. So I have with me, huge, huge honor to have my dad, Steve Zittle, uh, with me. Of course, he is a market leader for Foundation Partners Group. And what that means, and I'm sure he'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, is he, he really oversees operations and financial success for funeral homes in five different states, those states being Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Kentucky. So that's really, really cool. I mean, when he started out, uh, I remember uh, him starting out as a funeral director in a funeral home, boots on the ground, you know, every day uh, working in the trenches and now getting to to a level of success where he's overseeing all of these operations for funeral homes all around the country. It's really, really cool to have watched that journey, not only as his son, but also, um, you know, just as one entrepreneur seeing another business person really take off in the marketplace. He's really an expert in funeral home operations, specifically from the standpoint of maximizing profitability as he elevates service. And so I really felt like this was perfect to bring a lot of value to 
uh, our audience because he's going to be able to speak to how to to be able to become more profitable in your business space, um, but also at the same time to do it without making it a numbers game, without sacrificing the ability to provide amazing service and an incredible experience for your clients and the people that count on you. So I'm going to go ahead and, and launch into it uh, by saying, number one, I'm really, really grateful to have you here. Thanks so much for being on this conversation. And, uh, and, and why don't you tell us something interesting that most people would not know about you? Well, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, and I, I am just honored to be here and honored to be um, able to talk to you and, and you know, talk about business and some things that I'm passionate about. I think we're both passionate about uh, when we when we talk off camera or off, <laughs> off mic. We, we both kind of get into it a little bit and we love, sure. love these areas. Um, but uh, I'm I'm a uh, funeral director by trade, have been for about 30 years and uh, have worked in all aspects of funeral home operations. I've washed cars, cut grass, uh, embalmed bodies, directed and arranged funerals, uh, handled payroll and, and paid bills and uh, all the things that come with ownership. So I've kind of done everything uh, there is to do within the funeral home as an operational standpoint. And uh, I enjoy the, the position. I enjoy the industry, enjoy what it means uh, to help a family through a difficult time uh, that they can't really help themselves. And that's really what it all boils down to is there, there's a lot of uh, value in just knowing what we're, we're doing for families. Yeah, that's incredible. And I think getting to see that firsthand, I can tell all of you who are listening that it is it is an art form of the highest uh, uh, the highest level to see that in action, to see somebody step into a place where there's loss, where there's grieving, where there's heaviness, and to so um, so carefully navigate that in a way that's caring, in a way that's valuing, um, in a way that's honoring. And so that's really cool. And and I'll be honest with you guys, I went through some of these questions with uh, with my dad before we started this conversation, and I'm going to throw a curveball at him right away um, by, by asking him a question we did not go over. Uh, so if, if the answer to this, um, it, it seems off the cuff, it's because it is. Um, with that, how do you feel like your experience in a specific industry, I mean, the funeral business, that is an incredible niche, right? How do you feel like that? those rules and the lessons that you learned in that niche have applied to business as a whole? Well, that's a great question. And, and it's, it's really been eye-opening for me as I have gotten uh, to focus more on the business side of the business rather than the service side and the families themselves. I've noticed tremendous um, correlations with the hospitality industry, with hotels and um and all different, I mean, service industry is a service industry. There are a lot of, of similarities uh, when it comes to service industries. Um, and we're, we're just one that's just a little bit unique that most people don't deal with all that often. There's a lot of mystery that surrounds it. Um, you know, a lot of spookiness from, from media and movies and TV and those kind of things. So there's a lot of, of mystery and, um, you know, just, just, those those type of, of things surrounding our industry, but just like myths and misconceptions, it, right? But when it really comes down to it, 
we're just a service industry like any other, and we can really draw a lot of, of principles from other service industries if we take the time to do so and we, we apply them smartly. Yeah, that's huge. So what's getting more specific, what's one specific myth or misconception that you feel like people have when it comes to funeral business or, or even like grief or loss that you feel like, oh man, like if I could, if I could set this one thing right, that would be it. Well, this is going to, I hope this doesn't come off crass, but the bodies don't sit up on the, on the embalming table. That's not, that's number one. Everybody <laughs> seems to have a story about their, their cousins, friends, uncles, brother who saw that happen and all of those kind of things. I can tell you that uh, when, when a person passes away, uh, they, all of that electrical stimulation from the, uh, the nerves and everything goes away and they do not sit up. If, if one did, you'd have to beat me out of the room. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd be the first one out, but that does not happen. And I, I think the second one, the biggest misconception is that people who work in funeral homes are all kind of like Lurch from the Adams family. We're all just kind of uh, <laughs> um, you know, devoid of any kind of sense of humor or anything. Some of the funniest people I know are in the funeral business. So yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're real people just like everybody else. We just have a job that's a little different than most people. Yeah. I, and, and he's sitting here in this interview with a Tommy Bahama shirt on and some, you know, real short, short I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I feel like you have to have a sense of humor to, to work in that field, you know, just, just as you would with anything. Um, so, so you talked about how you start out mopping floors, cleaning bathrooms, dry, you know, cleaning cars, washing cars, uh, and then, you know, graduating up into more of the service, helping people out, um, embalming bodies, you know, really, really, uh, in the trenches there. And then you, you learned how to manage one funeral home. And now you're in a position where you're managing the business side. You're, you're pretty much white collar executive, um, you know, not even really seeing the families in the day to day, but much more so focused purely on business. What's the biggest challenge you have with your specific role and how do you plan to overcome that? Well, I, th I think from, from my position, I'm able to see things from a particular location. I can see it from a bird's eye view because I'm not in the middle of the, the weeds, so to speak. I'm not you know, working with the family directly and I'm not managing a lot of those moving parts. So because of that, I'm able to be a little bit less cluttered than the leadership in those locations. And I'm able to see things from a little bit um, different perspective. And it also gives me a perspective to see what works at one location and how we could apply it to a different location, maybe even in a different market or in a different state. Uh, whereas people who are in that location day after day, year after year, kind of get set in, in their ways, so to speak. And then they're, they're just, not that they're bad folks, they just don't necessarily see the perspective that I get to see be doing what I do. Yeah. And, and, and what's one example of a time when you went in and you had that big idea, that 30,000 foot view, and you explored that with them and you got shut down because they had kind of a limited mindset about that. Sure. One of, one of the things that, and, and this is kind of a, a, a thing that makes directors good directors is what makes them not as adept at business. And that is their heart. In order to be a really good funeral director or to help people in that type of service industry, you have to have a heart that's as big as can be. And anybody that's willing to get up at two o'clock in the morning, put on a suit and tie and drive to your grandma's house to, to bring her into the funeral home's care, 
that, that person has a lot of heart and that person has a lot of, of compassion and care for families. And that's what makes them great. And it, and that same heart sometimes will limit them when it comes to the business side. Specifically when it comes to pricing, a lot of times we want to make pricing so attractive to families because we don't want to put that burden on them financially. Um, and, and sometimes we do that to our own detriment. If we don't price correctly, then the business suffers and the business can't function and then can't serve families. Uh, the other thing that is big in our industry is discounting. Um, you know, almost like buying a car sometimes where, you know, you kind of get into haggling and going back and forth. And sometimes funeral directors, because they have such a heart, they will want to discount or what I call race to the bottom to try to secure that family and make sure that they can serve that family. And um, what they're, what they don't realize they're doing is they're devaluing their own service and what they do. And they don't see it that way because again, they don't have that bird's eye view. They're just looking at it as, Hey, I get to serve this family. It's great. But, but those are the things where sometimes I come in and I'll try to explain that. And, it, and it's, it's difficult to, to break through because that, that director will feel in that moment, like he's sacrificing his compassion for money. Hmm. And that's not something we ever really want to do. We just want to make sure that the business is viable and that we can keep everybody employed and then we can keep serving families 10, 15, 20 years down the road. So it's, it's, um, yeah, sometimes it's a little um, push and, and pull, you know, to get some of those ideas across. And to piggyback off that, I think it's so important that you, that you put that out there, that this isn't a race to the bottom. If you are in a service profession, I especially want you to tune in, really, really listen in for this portion here. People are happy to pay you for what you love to do. When we are serving people, there's this unspoken theme that in order to serve people well, we have to be disadvantaged as a result. That in order to be considered a servant, it means we have to be a martyr. And I will tell you that when you are, are almost selfishly making sure that you're in a position of success and in a position where your needs are being met and even exceeded, you are going to provide a better service for those people. So for so many years, we have had it completely backwards where we've sacrificed time, money, freedom in order to quote unquote serve people better. And, and what I'm picking up from that, correct me if I'm wrong, is it's really the opposite. When your business succeeds, when you succeed as a person, when you're getting paid more, when you get more time with your family, when your quality of life improves, then the people you're serving, their quality of life improves as well because you're able to provide a better service. You're, you're, a, you're a better servant when when you're not worried about how you're going to pay your electric bill absolutely yeah. That's, yeah. that's that's key that is so huge what a what an, a massive gold nugget from this conversation already so so with that why don't you tell us you know obviously going from where you started to where you're at now there had to be some moments where things kind of turned on a dime and i know that we all have uh you know major decisions we face in our life where we have to choose a left turn or a right turn there's that fork in the road moment why don't you tell us about a fork in the road moment for you and how you approach that and how your life changed as a result well that not to go into too much detail because it's a long story but uh for a period of time i worked for my father-in-law who owned a funeral well, two funeral homes actually and when he, I had been in the, the business probably 12 years before he asked me to come work for him. And the, the plan was, there was a five-year plan for me to take over. 
and purchased the business from him and uh, my wife's stepmother. And that was, uh, you know, that I was flattered and, and loved it, loved working there. And, and that was the plan. And about six, six and a half years into the five year plan, um, I approached him and asked, you know, what, what were we doing? How was this going to work? What kind of uh, things did I need to work on in order to, to do that? And it was at that point that um, I learned and, and that there was uh, somebody else that had kind of wedged his way into the conversation, um, had, had said some disparaging things about yeah. me. Wow. Uh, I still don't know what they are, yeah. so I'm not sure what, you know, what was said or uh, those kind of things. But the decision was made that he would be the primary person to buy. Wow. And I might be able to get a little percentage if, you know, if I worked that out with him. And that was a real slap in my face I'm because sure. uh, I had, I'd worked very hard. Um, yes, I did have some some new ideas that were a little bit on the non-traditional side because our industry is changing rapidly. And those um, that don't adapt will fail. And I've seen that happen in quite quite a number of instances. So I had some different ideas, uh, but you know nothing that was revolutionary, nothing that you know I thought was was uh, disqualifying, but I found out, you know, unbeknownst to me, all of a sudden that I was kind of on the outside looking in. And so how did that how did that change not only how you saw that opportunity which then went away, but how did that shape, you know, where you went from there? Well, I, I, the first thing it did is maybe want to get out of business because mm -hmm. it's a it's a hard business. There's a lot of hours, a lot of sacrifice for your family, uh, those kind of things. And I thought, Phooey, if this isn't if this isn't going to turn out for me to to be able to have my own place, I don't need it. I'll go do something else. And then I realized that my education in uh, an associate's degree in mortuary science didn't play well very very much outside of the funeral business. And, um, you know, I had a large family and I was trying to, to get a position where I could make enough money to support everybody. And I realized very quickly that there was not a lot of opportunity outside of the funeral industry for me. So I went to school and I finished off a bachelor's degree in business. And that's where I really started kind of taking a, a different look at this. I stayed with that firm, worked for my father-in-law for another year and a half. Um, before I left. But during that time, I was able to, to work on my, my degree, got most of it done at that point before I left. And um, then I just kind of caught the passion because I realized that all of the, the sound business principles I was learning in business school were foreign in the funeral business and that they're not being used. I tried to implement a few of them. And, what were some of those? Well, market share for one. Um, you know, the funeral business, it's easy to track market share with every, looking at all your competitors' websites. They post the obituaries on there, so you know what everybody's doing. You can track all the market share, but nobody does it. And um, I brought it up and set up a spreadsheet and had you know had it all set up. And the, um, the first time I got the report in and I had a little pie graph to show my father-in-law, said, hey, here's our market share for the last month. And he said, well, which one are we? And I pointed to our piece of the pie and said, well, which one's that one? I pointed to the big one and bigger than ours. And I told him who it was and it's kind of his arch rival. And he got really upset and said, we don't need to, we don't need to keep track of what anybody else is doing. We just don't need to worry about what we're doing hmm. and shut it all down. Wow. And I thought, you know, if you don't know if your market share is growing, then you don't know really how you're, how you're doing. 
And so that that was one one instance like that. There were sure. several like that. And, and funeral funeral professionals really are like I said, the business side is a little bit foreign and backwards. Um, a lot of legacy firms. You know, Grandpa had the funeral home. He passed it down to Dad. Dad's passed it down to me. I'm just trying not to screw it up so I can pass mm-hmm. it down to my son and go retire. Sure. And so you know that that really opened up a lot of you know, thoughts for me that there's, there's a lot more going on here. Sure. And if we apply some of these principles to our industry, we could do a lot better. Mm-hmm. And, and then, and like you said before, increase our service and be, you know, better servants to our, our families. So how has that, you know, how have you used that to position yourself to where you're at now? What was that like going from, you know, you lost that opportunity, you know, what did you do? You know, you had these new ideas, they were getting shut down. You felt like somebody's going to benefit from these ideas, but I'm not really sure how to get there. You know, fast forward all these years, now you're here now. What was it that really caused those to take root? Well, there was a, a, a just another position opened up uh, with, with some smart business people that not necessarily funeral people, but um, a couple, but then most of them were just smart business people who wanted to open a, a new modern concept of a funeral home. And they came to me and, and when we talked about it and I kind of liked what they were doing because they were using those business principles that I hadn't been seeing. Uh, so I was given the opportunity to open a location um, right down the street from my father-in-law, which was a little poetic justice. And, <laughs> and, uh, we were very successful there. And within a year or two, I was offered the chance to run the whole company in multiple locations. Wow. Uh, we were, we were talking about you know, the direction I wanted to take it in was in a franchise opportunity in multiple markets. The, the investment, uh, landscape at that time wasn't very good because the money kind of dried up mm-hmm. with the recession. Sure. And so eventually we realized that it was probably not going to go the way that we really wanted to. We wound up selling that that business, and then I was able to uh, get this position with Foundation Partners Group. And you know, I've never been happier because I now I can use all that experience from from working in family-owned funeral homes, running my own. Uh, again, I had a little ownership in that, and you know, now I, I feel like I have a more complete um, library to draw from. So you were able to leverage the the bad experience. You were able mm-hmm. to leverage the downfall Absolutely. and turn that into something. How, you know, quickly, how did you get connected with the businessmen that were interested in funeral? Well, it was a, a friend of mine who kind of knew my situation uh, with within the funeral home where I was just kind of biding out my time. Um, and he, through a, a friend of a friend of his, you know, they just kind of got introduced and then they sort of introduced them to me. Hmm. Um, and so that was, that was his bit. And then I was able to be mentored by a fellow who was a retired army officer, taught me tons about leadership just in general, hmm. you know, business as well, but, but mostly just leadership, um, which I, again, had not had a lot of, um, training in, um, confrontation. I mean, this guy was a drill instructor in the, in, in the army. So, so probably pretty he, soft. Yeah. So he, yeah, he was a real cuddly guy, but no, <laughs> he, he taught me to go. And I went from just avoiding confrontation all costs, despising confrontation to now when I see confrontation, I don't, I don't have any inclination to run from it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't enjoy it or look for it, Sure. but when it comes, I have a solid plan and I execute it and it doesn't, and, and it's just so much easier to not have that anxiety about it anymore. 
So I, I changed yeah. a lot just through his mentorship. And, you know, that's that's been a key is just having mentors, I guess. Um, you know, I have one now, but it happens to be my boss is uh, mentoring me in a lot of a lot of ways, you know, things I'm not real, real adept at. Uh, so, you know, I think having mentors is just a huge thing that, yeah. um, you know, that we need to take advantage of. Totally. And, and I love that, too. One of the biggest, you know, things that I hope you guys pulled from that is just because you get a crushing no in something that you thought for years, for, for five years, six years thought was going to be the plan, just because that no comes in and that no seems to derail every dream that you had. It doesn't mean that you cannot pivot and turn that into a better yes. You can leverage that into something that takes even even bigger advantage of your skills and your abilities and your your mindset and your way of, of bringing yourself to life. I think, you know, knowing your story like I do, I think I could even say that seeing that if you would have taken over that funeral home, you probably would have never hit the level Correct. that you're at now. You would have just stayed there, owned, managed one funeral home instead of now, you know, five different states, you're controlling all that business. That's and and you would have missed out on that mentorship and the ability to grow yourself. I've thought about that many times. That that you know, while it, at, at the time it seemed seemed all deflating and seemed like the end of the world, that um, I'm so much better off now than I would have been had I stuck with that original plan. And I just I feel like um, you know the difference between successful people and non-successful people is successful people do not give up. Yeah. They just don't give up no matter what the circumstance. They just keep pressing forward. Yeah. And ultimately, if you talk to anybody who's really successful, they have probably several stories like that where everything just looked as bleak as it could be and they just kept pressing. Absolutely. That's incredible. Man, it is getting so good. And I hate to stop the conversation there, but while I know the conversation was getting deep, it was getting engaging, it was also getting long. And I don't want to do an injustice to you by... Uh, taking away from your ability to to keep your attention and and all the things that have already been shared. There's just so much to digest already. So I want to make sure you have time to do that. Don't worry. We're going to pick up right where we left off in the next episode and dive right back into mentorship and how to prepare yourself for mentorship and the value of that and along with some nuts and bolts and action steps. So you're going to get it all. I can't wait for you to hear it. But in the meantime, hang in there, keep pressing for, forward towards success, and uh, we're going to see you soon. You did it. You reached the end and hopefully you're one conversation, one episode closer to that breakthrough, to that success that you've been searching for. Again, you can like it, love it, share it, subscribe, whatever you want to do. I'm just grateful that you're here along for the ride and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.